Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, your host for the WSN podcast. As it is a Wednesday afternoon, almost turning the calendar into October. Week two of the high school football season coming up. We'll be talking some high school football today. Uh, in just a moment, we'll review, look back at week one, some of the uh, the games and performances of note, and also just kind of recap you know, what it was like to be back at a high school football game once again. As you probably saw on, uh, on WSN, our staff and a couple other contributors were out at games last week, taking in the action, getting a feel for what it was like, uh, you know, not just talking about and, and focusing on what happened during the games, but also what the feeling was like, what the environment was like, what the energy was like, some of the logistical challenges and issues that schools were uh, dealing with and some of the guidelines that they had in place. So uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit of that. We'll do a little bit of a week two preview as well. And great conversation coming up shortly uh, as we are going to take a little look back into the, the history of Wisconsin high school football a few times during the season here. And the first one, we're going to look back at what is the state record for passing yards in a game. That was set back in 2002 by Jeff Skemp at Southwestern. And we're going to have Jeff on the WSN podcast to talk about that game, what that season was like, you know, what, what kind of craziness goes into throwing for 600 yards. Also talk a little bit about his post-high school career as he went on to play basketball at UW-Platteville. But uh, let's, let's start with a look back at last week and you know, again, it was great to get out at games. It was great to be at uh, at a, a game watching high school football. We were not sure for a long time if it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. Uh, but got a chance to get out, take in the very first game of the year, that 4 o'clock start down in Delafield as Fall River Rio traveled to St. John's Northwestern Academies. St. John's ended up winning that one 26-7. Um you know, it, it felt like football. Um, you know, there was reminders about wearing masks and, and there was, you know, some, some things here and there. But in a lot of ways, it felt like a, a small school, high school football game there in Delafield. Uh, it was the first game of the year, so it certainly drew a lot of attention. There was a couple different TV cameras there. Uh, our, our friends from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel were there, Mark Stewart and Kurt Hogg. Uh, it was just a, a, a felt like a, a little bit of a big game atmosphere, again because it was the very first game of the season. Um, the game itself, Fall River Rio really struggled to get much going offensively. Um, St. John's shot itself in the foot a, a lot, a number of penalties. There was an ejection early on, um, but ultimately the Nelson brothers were just too much to overcome. Uh, Philip and Donald Austin. Um, just too much for Fall River Rio. Uh, they had big days, carried the load significantly. Both were cramping up and playing both ways. Um, really good football players, and uh, you know those two uh, did a lot of the damage for St. John's. For Fall River Rio, it was interesting to see Barrett Nelson out there, uh, a junior that transferred from Stoughton. His his brothers Jack Nelson, who played at Stoughton last year as an All-State offensive lineman, is now at UW. Barrett is a, a strong college prospect in his own right. Body type similar to Jack. I don't think he's quite as tall, at least not yet. 
but he has all the makings of a Division I uh, lineman of some kind, perhaps a, a defensive lineman. He, he did play both ways last week, um, but you know maybe a, an interior defensive line prospect or, or offensive line at the next level. Uh, transferred in from Stoughton, uh, saw an interview that he had done with, uh, with 24-7 Sports where he talked about the, the primary reasons for making that change being, number one, in-person instruction at Fall River, whereas uh, Stoughton, as is, is part of that Dane County group, uh, is, is not having in-person instruction. And then also the opportunity to play in the fall. Uh, this is a big fall for the class of 2022 players. Um, you know, they had their sophomore tape, but they essentially had no camps in the offseason, most likely, and no college camps anyway. Um, and, you know, if, if they don't play in the fall, really puts them behind the eight ball in terms of getting that exposure out. And, and Stoughton moving to the spring, again, that impacted uh, Nelson's decision, his family's decision to make the move uh, to, to Fall River and where they're playing this fall. Uh, but Fall River had some nice athletes, uh, but just not enough of them and, and really struggled offensively as well. Don't quite have the playmakers uh, at the at the skill positions. So that was the first stop of the day. Then I went to Arrowhead and Muskego. Great game there. Um, you know, again, mitigation uh, things in place, uh, signs at the entrance about social distancing and mask wearing and uh, limited uh, fan attendance as well. I, I think it was two... Two tickets per player, uh, maybe four. I can't remember. Two, two or four is is pretty much the standard in the state, from from what I've seen. There's a, a a very limited number of places that are doing unlimited fans with no uh, no limits. The Southern Lakes Conference is doing like 25% stadium capacity, um, but most places seem to be doing a, a limited number of spectators per player. It was interesting to note the the band did come out and play for Arrowhead at halftime. They came out and uh, looked like they brought the band parents in as well, allowed them to uh, to line up along the track and watch the the band performance, and then they were escorted out. Um, some fans from Muskego uh, came and and certainly were were on the the visitor side, the parents and uh, and whatever, but uh, also some fans that stood behind the fence in, in the corner of one of the end zones and were cheering on their team, some students doing some cheers and uh, just adding to the atmosphere as well. Uh, it, it felt different not having as many fans there, especially at a place like Arrowhead, where if Arrowhead was playing Muskego, it would be a, a pretty big, raucous environment, but uh, not not quite the case this time. Uh, it was good to have fans in the stands at least. Uh, you know, you could, you could tell they were there. It just wasn't quite quite the same. But no matter where I was at, no matter where our staff was at, uh, you know, it, it felt like football. Once the game kicked off and, and things got underway, it was it was home and it was good to get back to. You can check out uh, our uh, article on WSN, get some additional thoughts from Mark Miller, Norbert Durst, uh, Dan Barwick, Kyle Kern. Kyle uh, did a great job getting some video uh, down at the game he was at, River Valley in Darlington which was one of the, the, the better games on the schedule in week one as well. So you can check that out on WSN. Also this week, uh, you would have seen on Tuesday the coaches poll that came out. Nothing too shocking or surprising there. It was you know kind of interesting to note, especially in a division like D1, where there's just not many teams playing in D1 this year. Um, you know, just not a lot of, of different teams that you can rank. So, uh, you know, kind of, had to, to parse through there. 
But a lot of the teams that you would expect, a lot of the defending state champions, if they're playing this fall, uh, located in the uh, you know in the top part there. So um, it was it was good to get back to games. It was good to get back to our, our normal cadence. The coaches poll on Tuesday. You also had the uh, the team and player of the week nominees that came out on uh, on Monday. Uh, mentioned Darlington. They got a big win over River Valley. Hortonville, you know, what a what a roller coaster it was for the Polar Bears. They were supposed to play Marshfield, and then late in the week things changed. Uh, I got an email from uh, the Hortonville AD, Sam England there, uh, you know, wanting to find a game, and very quickly they were where they were able to hook up with West Appear, who had uh, lost a game against Menasha. Um, so not a lot of time to prepare, but it was uh, back and forth. It was a really exciting game there. Ultimately, Hortonville went on the road and pulled out a, a pretty surprising 43-41 win. Uh, Sam Dodd, Parker Lawrence, they connected for four touchdown passes. You had Kohler, Sheboygan, Lutheran, Christian. That triop went in uh, in beat Keel, last year's Division Four state runners-up. Big offensive performances in that one. Robbie Michael from, uh, from Kohler, Sheboygan, Lutheran, Christian. He had uh, 375 yards and six touchdowns passing, also 68 rushing yards and a score on the ground. Also had an interception on defense. Casey Verhagen caught uh, four touchdowns. Had an interception, team high 14 tackles. Colin Jardakis, eight catches, 258 yards. Um, just a, uh, a a big offensive eruption late in that one. Oak Creek, man, they were impressive, especially that defense shutting out Kenosha Indian Trail, who I thought have had and, and does have some of the uh, the best offensive weapons in the state of Wisconsin. Arjun Ismaili. At quarterback, uh, some really impressive receivers, Cameron Lee, Ramon Jones, Clayton Bishop. But shut out were Indian Trail. Uh, and by the way, things don't get easier for Indian Trail. They have Franklin this week. So that's going to be a tough task for uh, for the Hawks. Some other big individual performances. Alex Current, the, the game I was at uh, for Muskego, five rushing touchdowns on just eight carries. Second play of the game on offense for Muskego, 79-yard touchdown. Second play on their next drive, 70-yard touchdown. Um, just a, a, a kid that's been there, obviously. I mean, he's rushed for over 1,500 yards the last two years. Um, really athletic and explosive. And when he comes around the edge with a, a blocker in front of him on that wing tee sweep, really hard to, uh, to contain. Tanner Marsh from Mondovi had the, the most rushing yards in week one. He had 321 yards and four scores. Uh, Tanner Opso, how about eight-player football uh, at McDonald Central? You know, they, they're well known for passing the ball. Back in the 80s, they set all kinds of national records throwing the football. Uh, Opso's a quarterback, but he did more uh, on the ground this year, or, or this week, last week, than through the air. He, he carried it 49 times, 309 yards, three touchdowns. Um, did throw three touchdowns on on uh, short uh, passes as well, but um, nice performance by him. Menominee Falls was one of the more impressive teams in Week One as well. They took on Brookfield Central, that matchup of uh, last year's co-champions in the Greater Metro Conference, and uh, JJ Seidel came up big defensively. He had uh, nine tackles, uh, a couple sacks in that game. Uh, and really uh, one of the biggest plays of the game. Right down at the end, Brookfield Central scored late to pull within one, ended up going for two, but Seidel stepped up and uh, stuffed the potential game-winning 
two-point conversion to uh, seal the deal for Menominee Falls. Um, some some good, uh, versatile offensive performances uh, performances by Nigel Cheeks at Whitefish Bay, John Verhasselt at Freedom, Dominic McVeigh um, at uh, at Mineral Point. So some good performances, and, and again, good to get back to some kind of uh, of that regularity. On the schedule for this week, some very good games. Uh, so, had a number of options to go for the game of the week. Uh, you'll see on WSN that I went with a small school game in Southwest Wisconsin as Mineral Point ranked second. Excuse me, ranked second in Division Six. They'll take on Lake Mills, ranked second in D four. Lake Mills uh, record-setting quarterback Adam Moen had a big Week One, uh, four total touchdowns uh, at or very close to 300 total yards of offense in that uh, win for Lake Mills. So that'll be a big game down there. Some really good games, especially in the Milwaukee area. That's where uh, the the bulk of the uh, you know the, the more significant action is, is this week. Mentioned Menominee Falls. They take on Germantown, who had a nice win in Week One. Uh, Sussex Hamilton is at Brookfield East, the defending D two state champions. Brookfield East. They get on uh, get going this year after scrimmaging in Week One. In the Classic Eight, Oconomowoc was impressive victor in Week One. They're at uh, McGuanago. Waukesha West did not play in week one, but they traveled to Muskego this week. Nice crossover game. How about this one? Brookfield Central, we mentioned them losing to Menominee Falls in week one. Well, your reward is to play two-time defending state champion Catholic Memorial in week two. Franklin, as mentioned, takes on Kenosha Indian Trail. Westosha Central was a surprise team in week one. They beat Badger. And Elkhorn almost pulled off an upset as well in the Southern Lakes. They uh, gave Waterford all they could handle, but it was uh, uh, Waterford pulling that one out, but a nice performance by Elkhorn in Week 1. Some good games in the North Shore Conference. You've got uh, Whitefish Bay at Cedarburg. You've got Hartford at Homestead. you got the West Bend teams uh, facing off. Of course, that's a very unique situation where essentially it's one building split into two athletic teams. Um some good games in you know the Woodland Parkland conglomerate uh, down there. Wawatosa uh, West and New Berlin Eisenhower both lost in Week One, looking to get uh, untracked. Uh, Grafton was impressive in Week One. They're at Pewaukee, and then uh, a game that that uh, folks down in the southeast part of the state and, and in Wissa saw many many times over the years. Marquette University High School is at Wisconsin Lutheran. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Interested to see how things go in week two for Edgewood and Baraboo. They square off. Edgewood was a winner over Watertown last week. Baraboo ruined uh, Sauk Prairie's new uh, opening of their new turf facility. Um, interested to see which one of those comes out on top down there. Uh, you've got some uh, some interesting games in the Fox Valley, a lot of them involving um, you know some teams that were maybe a little bit of a surprise in week one. Again, Hortonville with that big win over West Appear. They take on D.C. Everest. Uh, you've got that Kohler, Sheboygan, Lutheran, Christian team I mentioned. They're playing Chilton. And then Keel looking to get back on track as they take on two rivers. Northwestern part of the state, uh, some good games up there. You've got Bloomer and Northwestern. Hudson, a big winner over uh, Menominee in, uh, in week one. They travel to Chippewa Falls. Menominee looking to get back on track as they welcome in New Richmond. Baldwin-Woodville is at St. Croix Central. Regis at Mondovi. That's a really nice game. Again, Mondovi had a big win in Week 1. Uh, Tanner Marsh putting up big numbers. Regis was uh, was a victor as well. 
And then uh, this was a late uh, replacement game as both teams were looking to fill schedules. Edgar is at Onalaska. Have to give credit to those two programs for finding a way to make something work. And have to give credit uh, especially to Edgar for uh, you know facilitating a game where it's D7 versus D3. Edgar's not afraid to go and, and play people and take people on. Uh, in Onalaska for playing Edgar, uh, you know, there's not a lot to, to gain per se, um, but they get a very good game, should be a very competitive game with Edgar at Onalaska. So that's some of the games to look to this weekend. But again, as we, uh, as we are going to go over the, the course of this year, we're going to spend some time taking a look back and digging into the history of Wisconsin high school football with some guests over, uh, over the course of this season. And uh, bringing on a guest today that is, uh, is in the Wisconsin record books, one of the more prominent records in state football history, Jeff Skemp, our uh, guest today, a former quarterback at Southwestern, back in 2002, set the state record for most passing yards in a single game, 612 passing yards uh, in that one, completed 44 of 70 attempts. I believe the 70 attempts is a state record as well. Uh, with five touchdowns in a uh, in a victory uh, way back in 2002, Jeff, appreciate you coming on and, and joining us for the WSN podcast. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, that game and, and kind of where things went with your uh, with your career. But first of all, again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Uh, look forward to reliving a little history here and going back, uh, you know, 18 years, I guess, and and seeing what I can recall from that. Well, it's kind of interesting that that record still stands. I mean, you know, passing has really taken off in the state in the last decade or so, and there's been some some players that have gone over 500 yards in the in the last few years. But here we are, 18 years later, and that record still stands. As you look back at that game, which, by the way, was a very close game, um, was that against Riverdale? Is that correct? R- Riverdale, 40 to 39. Yeah. We, uh, we threw. I think there was uh, like 12 or or so seconds left. We we uh, scored our final time and, and uh, took the lead. So, so as you as you look back at that game and, and maybe just you know the season and, and what you guys did in general, uh, I assume that that you guys threw the ball a lot. Obviously, you threw it seventy times in that game. You know, what was your offense like? What was your uh, your role in that offense like? And what was it like to play in an offense that allowed you to to sling the ball all over like that? Yeah, so it was a lot of fun, um, and where it all got started was uh, Terry Temperley was the athletic director uh, at Southwestern at the time and had some ties to UW-Platteville, and he brought in uh, a couple years prior. He brought in uh, Joel Beard, who played basketball under Bo um, in the late 90s and won a couple national championships, I want to say, on the 98-99 teams, but he was also his fifth-year quarterback um, at Platteville. And that was um, when um, they they had brought in Mike Emmendorfer and went to the spread and really brought that offense to the South. Mike brought offense down to Southwest Wisconsin. And uh, when he finished playing, Joel got hired by uh, Mr. Temperley to come in and lead uh, the high school program. So I was a freshman when that happened, and Joel coached for two years. Um, and then he brought on Craig Smith, the defensive coordinator, uh, my sophomore year, and then when Joel resigned, Craig took over the head coaching responsibilities from there. And actually, funny thing, Craig started in high school as a defense coordinator, and I want to say he played defense at UW-Platteville as well and, and went on to be an offensive coordinator 
uh, helped out at Platteville, then he went to Quincy, and then uh, to Oshkosh and Whitewater as offensive coordinator. So kind of fun to see how he progressed through that as well. But um, yeah, I mean, we we had you know we didn't have uh, the makeup to make a power team, so um, small guys across the line who, who did a fantastic job. But um, you know, we just we we had quick receivers and a bunch of talent at wide receiver with Ryan Bowden and Josh Arnsdorf at running back and Chad Burke or Tom Pickle and just just a bunch of really good athletes um, that we kind of spread the ball around. So we went four and five wide across the field and and threw it all over the place. And in that game in particular, uh, I think we had uh, two called run plays. Um, for negative yards um and then uh or maybe it was one i'm sorry we had one run play it was reverse that we lost yards on and then i got sacked which went down as a as a run play as well so i think we had negative rushing yards for the game um but the 612 passing yards obviously made up for it so um we were we yeah we 50 60 times a game wasn't out of the question but this game just set us up to to keep throwing it and so we were we went we went about it 70 times in the game and uh had a lot of fun as you look back at that that game in particular what things stand out and did you realize or, or when did you realize that you know i i threw it a lot and we put up some big numbers and uh and then also when did you realize that that maybe you had broken a state record so it wasn't until after the game, you know, you, you're, you're just playing the game. And, and I think the interesting thing about what we were doing, um, even in the offense four wide was it was a lot of stance and out and, um, you know, we would run some wheels and some skinny posts and that kind of stuff and try to get the ball downfield. Um, but Riverdale's a power team. And so they're, they were big. They, you know, was a double or whatever that they were for offense. And, um, did a lot of counters and stuff on the offensive side of the ball with them, and they had some 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 big guys. Um, so for us, it was using our speed and our quickness. So it was just get the ball out um, quick and and then get yards after the catch. Um, it wasn't until after the game um, somebody actually met me, one of the assistant coaches or something, met me in the parking lot and said, "You threw for 589 yards," and um, that's actually what went into the paper the next morning. And then when it went, uh, the state had asked. Uh, uh, full game tape and they went through play by play reviewed it the ones who came up with the 612 yards then uh, after a reviewing game tape of it so that kind of took several days to you know 589 I think at the time was still state record but it went through the final reviews and ended up coming out at 612 um, so it was it was fun I mean it was it was uh, one of those things you, you you're just out playing the game you know and and you don't know and up an hour things going and again it was it was the final score was 40 to 9 so it's kind of a a shootout we were throwing the ball all over the place and riverdale was you know using their power power offense and just running it at us um and so it was, it was kind of a shootout with two totally different styles of offenses going at it we're talking with jeff skemp our guest on the wsn podcast back in 2002 at southwestern high school he set the state record with 612 passing yards in a single game uh, it had to be an interesting sight for opposing defenses uh, to to look over at the Southwestern offense and see you, see you there at quarterback. Uh, I believe when you played at uh, basketball at Platteville, you were listed at six ten. Is that right? What what were you in high school That's at that correct. time? Yeah. yeah, I was probably like six eight um, at that time. So, and it you know 
I didn't play defense. I didn't play special teams. I, I only played quarterback. Um, and that was part of, you know, coach Smith at the time was like, well, we're not going to get you injured. Right. We're not going to get you hit a bunch of times, um, playing defense and special teams, which, uh, I appreciate. Um, but yeah, and, and at that time <clears throat> you go back and you look at just football in general, right? So six, eight quarterback and, and was being recruited to play college football, um, but one of my, in the back of my head, one of the things is like, okay, they're recruiting me to come play, but what are they going to do when I get there? And, you know, one of my, one of the thoughts that was constantly running in my head is they're going to put a bunch of weight on and move me to the end or something else, you know, not play quarterback. Um, and now you look, you know, even at the NFL and you got, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and, and Jared Goff and those guys that are, they're playing at six, 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 seven, six, eight. Um, and you just see a different stature of quarterback. Um, than you saw, you know, 15, 20 years ago in the league. As mentioned, you, you went on to play at Platteville, but it was basketball that you, uh, that you chose for the pioneers, a very successful career there. Um, you know, just talk a little bit about your, your career and in your time at Platteville and in what playing basketball there was like. Yeah. So it was uh, a great experience and something would never trade. Um, and, really just uh, lifelong lessons that come from extracurricular. And I think this is true to youth athletics and, and high school athletics is that there's the time management, there's the responsibility that goes with that. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're in your own personal life or you're in a career role, um, that team concept uh, plays through, I think, for the rest of your life. And so now being in a career um, you know, working, working workers and, and working with people from different backgrounds, which you get in the athletic setting, especially at the college level, um, you know, recruiting from kids out of, you know, big cities like Chicago and Milwaukee, um, all the way to, to rural kids, you know, so you have a bunch of different people that you're pulling together and making a team out of. So, um, that's one of my takeaways now that I'm in a career is looking back on some of that and wow, that learning from that experience in college basketball has taught me how to handle this situation in a career, how to approach um, situations in my career. So that's been really big, but, um, you know, played for Paul Combs at Platteville um, and was recruited by him and his staff. And we, uh, my senior year of high school, they were picked to finish last in conference, took fourth. Uh, my freshman year, we were picked to finish like sixth or seventh and we ended up finishing first um, and then we had a couple of years in there where we were some downy, um, and then my senior year and then my red shirt senior year. So my fourth and fifth year, um, we had a ton of success in, in, um, 2009, we made the NCAA tournament for the first time since two, uh, 1999 when Bo Ryan had left and, and, um, really, uh, just take great pride in with my teammates and, guys that are, are some of my closest friends yet to this day, just kind of building basketball back to what it was in the nineties. Um, and then when Paul left and Jeff Gard got hired, uh, you know, there was a, a few years of, of tough times there, but man, Jeff's developed ran back to a national power again and multiple NCAA tournament bursts over the last several years and, and just great success there. So really proud to be a, a, a pioneer alum and, and part of that program. 
Before we let you go, I know that you've settled back in southwestern Wisconsin and uh, living in the, the Cuba City area now. Uh, I know you're involved with basketball down there. Have you been involved or been able to stay involved in football at all? Or what has your, uh, you know, your experience been with football since uh, leaving high school? Uh, I have not had any involvement with football since leaving high school. No. So, um, like you mentioned, uh, wife and I and three kids, we live in Platteville. Um, I work in Cuba city. I coached with coach Pettyu for a number of years after I got done, um, playing, uh, which was a great experience. Um, you know, just the way he views the game and, and all he's, I always tell people he's forgot more basketball than most people know. Um, uh, cause he's been doing it for so long. Um, and again, Cuba City's had, had great success, uh, 2012-13, and recently, uh, again, uh, a bunch of success with the kids that they have there. So, um, you know, still happy to be involved. But uh, as a lot of listeners may know, uh, when you start having young children, and I travel some for my job, and it was just taking me away from the gym um, with travel for work, and then I was coming home and running to the gym, and um, just my wife and I decided it probably be better that I – focus on our family life and career for a couple of years here, but, uh, my oldest is six. So, um, you know, as they start getting more involved in youth sports, definitely is on my radar to get back involved with whatever it is they choose, you know, and, uh, they enjoy football and we watch football, but, um, our oldest for sure is definitely a basketball junkie right now and watching it and wants to be involved with it also. So, um, plans are to, to be involved with the kids as, uh, as time goes on here. All right, good stuff, Jeff. We appreciate you joining us on the WSN podcast, taking a look back at your record-setting performance, uh, passing 612 yards in 2002 and a one-point win over Riverdale. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the WSN podcast. Yep, thanks for having me, Travis. So there you have it. Big thanks to to Jeff Skemp for coming on and giving us his insight and and taking a look back at that record-setting performance in 2002 when he set a state record that still stands despite a few challenges of 612 passing yards in a single game. That'll do it for this week's edition of the WSN Podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.